Hey, what's up? It's Chase. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, the show, the show, the show, the show. show. Um, I'm excited today. I'm, I've had the appropriate amount of caffeine to make this announcement. I got a doozy in store for you today. A good friend of mine is the guest. He is a New York Times bestselling author. Books like The $100 Startup, The Art of Nonconformity, lots of others. And his new one we're talking about today is called 100 Side Hustles. My guest is the inimitable Mr. Chris Guillebeau. Uh, what a guy. This man traveled to 193 countries. That's, just to be clear, that is all of the countries recognized on the planet current, in current status. He is the first person to do all 193 countries before the age of 35. No one's ever done it before. He's a travel legend. More importantly, he has built online businesses, uh, side hustles, and lifestyles and lives that he loves for himself since he was 19 years old. There's almost nobody better equipped to talk about starting lots of businesses than Chris. He has a a, a daily podcast called Side Hustle School where literally every single day, seven days a week, no breaks, he's featured something like 850 different side hustle businesses. Um, He started half a dozen or more of his own. Um, Six books, one of my favorite conferences in the world called the World Domination Summit. This guy is a beast. And he's so savvy, so humble, you're going to get a ton of value out of this episode. We go into details about some of his favorite online businesses that he researched in doing the 100 Side Hustles book, some of the most common traits, some of the most common traits of failure, some of the stuff that he's had to deal with in the last couple of years in his life, um, going through some changes, some struggles, uh, and we also get to talk about, and we get to shine some high fives and, and celebrate some of his big successes, including... New York Times bestseller list and the success of now, I think, nine or 10 years in on the World Domination Summit. It's an amazing conversation. If you are a person who wants to start a side hustle or you think at some point you're going to transition out of your current gig into another one, this is a must. No questions asked. Have to listen to episode. So I'm going to get out of the way. But before we do, just a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll be right back with Mr. Chris Guillebeau. Hey, before we get into today's episode, I got a favor to ask. I've got a new book out. It's called Creative Calling. And of course, I would love for you to pick up a copy or two or 10. But here's why. This is not about a transaction. Of course, I want to sell as many books as I can. But this isn't about my bank account or the publisher. This is about a message and a movement. This is about the fact that there's creativity inside of every person. And that if we understand that we each can harness this creativity and use it to channel Uh, our our creativity, not just to make things on a daily basis, yes, that's valuable, but to be able to create the living life that we want for ourselves and ideally for those around us. And right now, everyone has someone in their life who either doesn't identify as a creator or for whom they could use a bump, a nudge, a little bit of a push around their creative calling in life. And it's my hope that this book, I put everything I have into this book, everything, And if you could help me be the messenger for this by delivering them a copy of the book, um, picking up a copy uh, yourself, and of course, sharing that you are reading this book um, with your audience, that would mean everything to me. It's so important that we rally as a community around the ideas that we believe in, and this is my ask to you. So thank you very much. And now, okay, now let's get into today's episode. Back. Yes. 
new book. And it's new not, book. It is, we got to talk about a lot of things, but I just like <laughs> I, I just it was sitting here. I couldn't help it. This is gorgeous. I don't know. Pow! It's uh, heavy. Too. It's like it, a we- weapon. Also, yeah. yeah. This is <laughs> big time, fancy package, man. Congratulations. We'll get Thank to that you. in a second. Cool. Welcome to Seattle. Thank you. Glad book, to be back. Always book, book talk tonight. Yep. How's it going? It's going great. Yeah. Yeah. Things are new. This book just came out. I actually haven't been traveling a whole lot, so it's good to actually get back out on the road and talk with folks. And <laughs> well, for you, when you, you haven't been traveling, how many miles are you going to have? Not, like only 200,000? No, actually, I'm going to like lose some of my status and everything. What? I know, it's crazy. You know, turned 40 last year. You're like, like the, reevaluate. I'm like, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. You're the icon of airline status. <laughs> I'm going to pass that, that um, mantle on to somebody, I guess. I'm still traveling some. I mean, I, I went to Thailand a couple months ago. I've got some other stuff coming up, but it's not not nearly as much as I used to. Is that because you've been focused on your book? What, what's focused what? on the book? Um, book just kind of focus on my, my life and yeah. just just like, you know, what do I what do I want? I mean, there, so some of it's work. Like I do this daily podcast, you know, seven days a week. Um, but you know, I mean, it mostly it's just like what, what brings me the most enjoyment, the most fulfillment. You know, how do I want to spend you know my time? And so. Just found that I wasn't enjoying as much travel as much as I was, but it's not like I'm writing it off or anything. Yeah, I think there are seasons also. There are seasons where it's like, for sure, this is what you do for a while. You create, you know, you rejuvenate or something, and then you're like, I want to go to the world, and you know, all comes I'll, back around. It does. <laughs> and uh, speaking of coming back around, I want to go back around to the first uh, World Domination Summit mm. that I attended. I, you gosh, spoke at that first one. Y- you came here, yeah, right? Was yeah, twenty something. I don't know. Twenty twelve. Twenty thirteen. I don't know, 13, yeah, 14, I don't know. 13? 30 years ago or something. <laughs> That's right. That's what these dark circles <laughs> under my eyes are from. Because uh, I'm 100 years old now. No, um, I was so moved by the, um, I'll call it audience or tribe or community that you've assembled. Mm-hmm. And truly global people coming from all over. This is what I love about physical like face-to-face stuff. It's one of my favorite things about Creative Live that we've got thousands of classes, but all those classes were made by people coming in from all over the world, mm-hmm. sit in one room to make a class. It's not like it's just on a webcam, you know? Yeah. And you've done that at, you know, it's almost the reverse. You've done, you got bring thousands of people together to one event. We bring tens of people or 50 people together for thousands of events. Mm-hmm. I was shocked at how diverse and open and inclusive and mm-hmm. interesting and passionate, like, how have you built that around well, they, your, your work? I mean, they bring so much to it. I think that's a key point, you yeah. know, like, and they, they really are super passionate. I mean, you probably saw like as a, as a speaker, it's, you know, it's one of the, the easiest audiences to speak to. You can walk out and be like, hi, and everybody's like standing ovation, yes. you know, like, wow, okay, great. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, so I don't know how much of that comes from the top down as it is like, it's just, I guess, from the beginning of my work, like really interesting people were kind of drawn to it. And I noticed that. And so I, I kind of, resp- I was like, wow. Um, I think also a lot of people that were drawn to it kind of felt like they didn't fit in yeah. in some way. Yeah. And um, like in the beginning, I thought I was just like writing about traveling the world or whatever and realized pretty quickly that uh, some people were making like more of an emotional connection to it. Yeah. And so I just wanted to be sensitive to that in turn and, um, you know, provide a space for that. So I think if you do that, then they, you know, come and bring so much to it as well. So I can't take too much credit for it, you know? Well, that sounds exactly like you, to not take too much credit for it, but you're at the center of that community. You built it from the ground up. I mean, there, it's, it's made up of, of like lots of different people, but sure. part of what uh, it's, I believe that, the, you know, you know the people who are listening and watching yeah. right now, and 
largely there are two groups from trying to go from zero to one. Yeah. Start something and go from one to ten, get better at it, mm -hmm. or get, you know, find another the, their next chapter. And what I've learned and what I'm enjoying, sort of a, a rediscovery, because this was it was known, but I wasn't acknowledging it that. You choose the people that you hang around with, mm. and when you find the thing that you want to do, if you're at home in your underwear in Ohio right now, and you're saying like, "Gosh, I really want to be, you know, get awesome at calligraphy or whatever," and none of that happens alone. You have to mm -hmm. build a little community around it, and that yeah. community over time, it, there's this. Well, I've always believed, but haven't really articulated it until recently. You have to invest. Mm -hmm. So clearly, you've invested in your community, but for someone who's sitting at home. You launched an online business, along to, or a, a, yeah, online business, I would say, sure. 10 years ago or whatever. There's someone at home in Ohio or yeah. Oklahoma or Oslo mm -hmm. saying, great, I want to do that, but where do I find my people? Where do I find my tribe? Where did you find sure. yours and how did you start to create it? Well, you, you start with the people that you know, and everybody knows somebody, yeah. right? You know? <laughs> I mean, the old joke about my blog was like, I started reading my blog and like five people are subscribed to it and one of them is my grandma. Uh -huh. you know, and I'm like, okay, cool, my grandma's reading my blog. And then uh, I realized she had two email addresses and she'd signed up twice, you know? She's actually like 40% of the readership, you know? So everybody knows somebody. And um, like when you're talking about like building this community, I was just thinking, I was like, well, you know what? Last night I was in Denver and I was talking to like 100 people and 100 people is not a small group by any means. But still it was very much like when I got started with the blog, you know, for me, I had this travel thing going, so I went to a lot of places. Not everybody can do that or wants to do it, but like with the first book I had, I went to all 50 states and met readers. I was like, whoever's out there, you know, come show up. And it was really just a beautiful thing because sometimes like 10 people would show up, you yeah. know, and that was, that was okay. So if you're out there in Ohio or Oslo or whatever, you know, first of all, what is it that you're trying to create? You know, what is that calligraphy thing? What is your message? What do you want to, to share with the world? Uh -huh. And then, I don't think you need to worry so much about like how do I scale this message. Right? Yeah. I don't think you have to worry so much about that. You know yeah. how to go from the the one to the ten or whatever if you're in that that early position. Um, it's first of all just be true to your message, and then once you have one person out there that actually cares about it, then that person is like your hero. Then it's kind yeah. of interesting because they're looking up to you, but you know you're going to derive a lot of energy and value from them as well. Yeah. And then from one person to five to ten to however many, it's not, the numbers aren't so important. So. I think it's um, it's possible to treat your customers, fans, readers, followers, etc., um, just like the most amazing people in the world because they really are, you know, to you. And I think if you have that attitude and that spirit, and you try to like carry that over throughout all that you do, then you're probably going to go far. But even if you don't go like far, like you're going to be able to build a good little business. You're going to be able to do work that you believe in. Yeah. Um, you're going to be able to like open new doors and new opportunities. Because I had no idea when I started what was going to happen. You know, I didn't have like a strategic plan. Yeah. It was just I'm doing things I'm excited about. You said something uh, earlier about about how you spend your time. Uh, was that your primary lens through which you looked at what you wanted to do, or was it the other way around? I, I know yeah. I want to be a travel hack writer sure. or however you described yourself right. in the early days mm -hmm. and nonconformist. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, know. it was a very broad label, you know, by, by design. Yeah, of I course. didn't want to get pigeonholed. But, you know? but uh, like, mm. I don't know. I think I was, um, I was, I was also interested in, in outcomes. You know, I was interested in like, want to quote unquote, build some kind of community. I want to write a book, want to have an online business. Um, but, but again, it was really vague, you know, in the beginning. In the beginning it was, I don't know if it was so much like deliverable based or time based as it was like feeling based or like, it was like, 
I have a sense that I'm, I don't want to get like esoteric or like overly spiritual, but I like a sense that there's something out there that I, that I have to discover. Right. And I yeah. think a lot of people feel this way from a variety of backgrounds. There's something out there that it's either my calling or my mission, or maybe again, I'll think of it in a different way, but there's something out there for me. Yeah. And so I felt that, and I was like interested in going on this path of discovery uh, to figure out what it was. And the only way that you do that, I think is like when you see the next step, you take that next step. You don't actually know all the steps. Right, you, you don't know. have to see the whole flight, the whole no, staircase. You won't right? actually, yeah. you won't be able to. In fact, I think like, if you think you can see the whole flight of staircase or whatever it is, um, then your vision's kind of limited actually, because once you start taking these steps, you're like, wow, actually the vision is bigger than I thought, you know? Didn't know I was gonna do that conference with thousands of people coming, yeah. had no idea. You yeah. know, didn't, like I, I wanted to write one book. You know, now this is like the sixth book and I love <laughs> writing books, I love everything about it. Um, all the other stuff that came, it was like, I didn't, I just had the one step, and so I took that step. Can we go into your creative process a little bit? Because, sure. And I'm gonna ask you on, to think about it in three different buckets. There's the bucket of writing books, there's the bucket of creating all of the amazing online classes that you've created, mm. uh, Creative Live, yeah. not aside. Yep. Uh, and then the, the event, you've created the World Domination Summit, which mm -hmm. is just, Bonkers, you're, you're thousands of people come in and take over. Porn is not a big place. So you, you put like 3,500 people. I know, I think you've decided to scale it down yeah. now, but when it was at three, three or 4,000 people, you're like, there's not a person in Portland who doesn't have the, like the WDC, uh, right, right. WDS badge on. You're like, hey, 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 you don't yeah. like go anywhere without seeing them. Yeah, but in each of those things, like what was some of the, some of the creative process? Because I think, Again, I'm trying to make this sure. relevant for as yeah, many people. And those, those are really big markers for creators and entrepreneurs. Mm. And you can see whether it's an online business or a business in real life, doesn't matter. Just what's your creative process for yeah. each of those? I, mean, I actually think all three of them start from the same like desire or, or again, feeling or intent. Or like, you know, if I look ahead, I want to see this book out in the world. I want to have this online course done. Um, you know, I have this, you know, again, vague generalized idea of having people together in a room and talking about all these different, different values and, um, you know, explorations and so on. So it really starts with, with that. The and feeling that you yeah, want, yeah. Yeah, very much the feeling like, what do I want to have for that? And, and then, cause I'm actually a pretty practical person. Like I know we're talking like big picture, but I'm actually really like practical. Like, you know, here's my list of steps. Here's what I'm going to do today. Because if I do these five things, I'm getting closer to that, you know, product or whatever at the end. But. I think it's actually sometimes a mistake to start with that because you could then, you could then sp spend like all your time making the wrong thing, basically. And I don't want to like put that on people because if you're not sure what to make, just make something, right? But at the same time, if you're trying to, to like really pursue some kind of legacy work or do something that you want to be proud of at the end of the day, you know, for me, I can, and you, like lots of people out there, there's lots of projects that we could work on. Yeah. So when I like, on the front end, what is it that I really want to create? And then from there, it's like, you know, to bring people together for an event, the most important thing you have to have is, is interest in that event. You can figure out everything. Like the first year of WDS, we had no idea we were doing about anything in terms of <laughs> event planning and like <laughs> AV stuff and like signing contracts with venues. And I mean, I would go to have these meetings and they would ask all these questions. I had no idea what, the, I, I, I'm sure they thought I was, I was, you know, ridiculously stupid, which I was. But I mean, like the point is we went away and then we filled that building. Yeah. You know, we filled that building, the art museum in Portland the first year the Newmark Theater the second year. So if you have the, the demand in that way, you can figure everything else out, I think, right? And so the same is true for a book. If you have a, something you really believe in, a message, then everything else is just reverse engineering. Everything else is, okay, how do I, what's the best way I put that out in the world? 
You know, do I need a publisher? Should I do it myself? What is the best format? Uh, how do I present this message? What is the outline of it? And then when it comes to the writing, you know, okay, uh, so the book is going to be X thousand words approximately. What's a reasonable figure that I can write every day? You know, and then of course there's an editing process and all that kind of stuff. But I just feel like these are just details, you know? Yeah. These are just details. And you discover, uh, is your premise that you discover those details when you get there? Yeah. Is that like the, you have to, and, like the next step in the process? Yeah, and then the more you do this stuff, then the more like you feel more confident in it. Like experience kind of produces this confidence and you're like, okay, you know, I did this before, so I know I can do it again. And hopefully I'm not just doing the same thing over again. And hopefully I'm like next leveling it, yeah. you know? And I think if there's no challenge, then it's also a time to be like, whoa, you know, it's like if I'm just doing the same thing and I'm not afraid of anything, if I don't feel any nervousness, then I need to reevaluate because yeah. I think that's actually part of the creative process. You know? yeah. yeah, that's part of what made me sort of try something besides just the commercial photography mm -hmm. that I had done for a decade. Yeah. It was like when you, like, I know exactly what to say to the art director, she's gonna walk over here and then I'm gonna say this and she's gonna go, <laughs> oh my God, that's awesome. Yeah. Like you can, right. when you can see everything yeah, before exactly. it happens and when yes. it was still the, the living a dream, but you're like checking yeah. your watch, I was like, and it took some real personal work to figure out that that was mm. signed to like take another another leap. Most when, people don't do that. Most people come to that place and they have that same experience that you just described, but then they don't do anything about it. Because they're like, well, they, they, the way they evaluate is like, well, uh, it's working, right? Yeah. So therefore, nothing's wrong. And they just kind of stay in that place and they eventually, I mean, there's like not good outcomes from there. They get burned out, they get depressed, they just stop doing their best work. They get angry or bitter, you know, resentful of their colleagues, or their boss or whatever. All kinds of bad stuff happens when you don't pay attention to that voice, I think. Yeah. Have you always been good at hearing that voice? Is that why? No, I no? don't think so. I don't know. I mean, it's a good question. I don't know. You strike me as someone who, like, you, it's like you move on at the right time. You've just announced that yeah. next year will uh -huh. be the ne the last of you. How do you, like... I? Like, how do you know that next year is going to be the last one right now? That's amazing to me. Like, yep, that's going to be my last one. It's always good to end things on a high note, yeah. you know? Maybe it goes back to, so like I had this experience of, of uh, being in West Africa, like as an aid worker living on this hospital ship. And um, like, I saw some people that were there for like 10 years, 15 years and beyond. I was there for four years. And with a couple of exceptions, couple of notable exceptions, I saw that most people who were there beyond a certain point really did get kind of burnt out. Yeah. You know, for better or worse, they were still doing good work, but they, you could tell they weren't that happy. And so nobody goes into a situation, whether it's being an aid worker or, you know, your creative director job or whatever it is, nobody ever goes into a situation thinking, one day I'm going to get really sick of this. You know, if it's a good, <laughs> oh, if it's oh like a job, God. if it's your dream job, nobody totally. goes into it thinking Same. that, right? Right. But and I, to be clear, I still love photography, for example. Of course. I just didn't want to do it that way. That so role, if you can still love aid work and you that can role. Yeah, yeah anything, that's the point, that, that yeah, role, yeah. That, that thing. So I kind of noticed, um, you know, first two years, I absolutely loved everything. I gave everything to it. Yeah. You know, and in the third year, I could tell like a little bit of a shift was beginning to happen. And it was like, okay, I'm giving like 95%. Still pretty good, but that's different, you know, than the 100% or 110 or whatever. And so basically I was like, I want to leave before I, I get resentful or burned out or whatever. And so that was that. So maybe I've kind of carried that forward in some ways uh, to some of the stuff that I do now. Was it's there, hard though. Was there a time where you didn't, you took your battery down to five or 10 or zero? Yeah, I was trying to think that about help, that. That helped you realize that, oh, yeah. like 
just your self-awareness like, oh, 95%. Right. Like that's an extreme sense of self-awareness that I'm, I'm still crushing it, but <laughs> it's not happening internally. Well, I mean, I was, I was thinking about your question, like have I always been aware of that yeah. voice? I think it, I've always been aware of, of, of it to a degree, but have I always listened to it? I don't, I don't know, probably not. Probably not, you know, if I think about different times in my life, whether it's creative burnout or personal depression or anxiety, um, or maybe a sense of purposelessness or a lack of self-worth or, you know, various struggles, mm -hmm. I probably have missed something along the way, you know, and I, I, I can actually be guilty of, um, you know, I, I really like to work, like, and I, just like you, right? Yeah. And like, I, I, I like what I do. I feel really fortunate. I get up and I'm thinking about what's on my list to do. And overall, I think that's positive. Yeah. But, you know, the, the concern there is that you're just stuck in it sometimes, right? You get stuck in it and you don't realize like actually something has changed either in the external environment or in your own internal motivation and you're not paying attention to it because you're just kind of going along. Um, so I think I can, I definitely have the tendency to do that. That's, I, I love the sense of self-awareness. Something had to happen though for you oh, to, sure. to realize Yeah, it. I'm, like, well, probably lots of, um, yeah, something. Did, had did to you like? Were you just like throwing pizzas in high school, and you realized like I really don't want to do this anymore? Or like, because yeah. you, you, something had to happen where you 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 said, "All right, uh, this is the last time I'm going to let this happen." Well, I wasn't ever really very good in the you know traditional employment world. I mean, I kind of learned I was unemployable at a pretty early age. I mean, I did have a pizza throwing job actually for about three months, um, and then I kind of just quit and never returned. But that's how everybody quits a pizza job, right? Yeah. I don't think everybody, you know, it's not like anybody's <laughs> like, no this is really my life stressed person. out about their, right. Right. well, actually, give me, give me a handful of like, what are some jobs you had growing up? So, I mean, like, it, it's a short list because it stopped at age <laughs> 19. I mean, age 19 was the last job. Um, and I've always worked for myself, you know, since then. But yeah, so I did pizza. Um, I delivered some other stuff. I delivered like, you know, uh, flowers on Valentine's Day. Oh wow! Deliver, delivered uh, phone books for anybody out there who remembers what a, like a telephone directory, yellow pages. Remember you? That, that yeah. Used to just like show up on your porch and yeah, you like, and like it's just like a huge waste. Yeah, it's a colossal waste, and they still yeah. make it for some reason. But um, then oh, I was a telemarketer for two days. It didn't. Oh, yeah, well, it was, what's the story behind that? It was like a job. I was like, I'll, I sure I'll dial like, for. Yeah, and I was terrible at it. I never made a single sale. I was trying to sell photography packages, actually. No way. Yeah, yeah, some ridiculous photography package. Unfortunately, nobody bought, and so then I never went back, um, obviously. And then the last job was working at FedEx uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, loading boxes onto a truck. And then, yeah, then I learned how to sell things on eBay, and like I never went back to that job and never looked back at any other job. What were you selling on eBay at the beginning? Well, in the beginning, it was just random stuff from my apartment. You like, know. I, I, I can sell this. Yeah, whatever. This Books, class. video games, you know, clothes, stuff. I mean, uh, and then I was, then I learned about buying and reselling. You know, I was like, oh, like, let me see what's, what's selling on these auctions. What are they, what's the price, you know, what are the closing prices? What's the source of these items? How can I buy these items? And then, re and I just, that was so fun. That was so fun to like learn about, you know, and it's like. How long ago was that? 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> 21, 22 years now, 41. It's, it's so funny. Yeah. We know a, a handful of mutual people that are making, a, trying to make a big deal, but this is a, something new now because yeah. you've got this resource called eBay and you're like, oh my God. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was selling shit in my apartment. I remember 20, when eBay.com came 20, out, yeah. you know? And uh, that's one of my pet peeves actually of people thinking that like 
so much of this kind of stuff is is new, you know, or that it's Western, you know, that it's like America, America invented yeah. like being a buying one thing and yeah, yeah. the arbitrage model. We invented right. it right, right. by by something Meanwhile, cheaply like, and selling. Used to like be in Sierra Leone and walk out in a village and like every single person is reselling and buying stuff and just hustling and making their own way and like ladies are carrying all this stuff to the market and that's how that's how human society has existed, you know, for centuries. So we have a lot to to learn, you know, obviously. The, the idea of like vlogging I was like someone, someone said something like yeah yeah this whole new idea of like having a video person on your team to make videos <laughs> and I was like wow I had a full-time video person in 2005 wow right it was very unusual then sure but it doesn't feel like when someone labels it as new right it's bizarre <laughs> the arbitrage model eBay right. like yeah I'm, the, the flip life man commerce you know like <laughs> Commerce, you know. I mean, it is true that like, yeah. So that people, it's like so much more mainstream now, and people are doing it uh, in a way that they didn't 20 years yeah, ago. Sure. Like you said, when you were doing it then, it was very unusual yeah. for me as well. Like when I was working for myself, like nobody understood it. My friends didn't get it. You know, parents are like, "He's doing something on the internet. We hope it's not bad." You know, <laughs> um, but now it's it's much more common, and e-commerce is adopted like more and more places, so sure. that makes it easier and stuff. But yeah, everything's an evolution in that way. What about I think the folks at home who are sitting and listening and watching, there's a, there's a desire to do what I think they think the right thing is. Mm -hmm. Like, there's so many things I could do. Mm -hmm. How do I know my thing? And you have a magic formula. Mm-hmm. It's similar to Ikigai in, in, yeah, yeah. in Japanese, yeah. where like overlapping circles. My personal, and I, I cite you often in whenever I'm sort of talking publicly or in a blog post or, or I've, I've said your name a thousand times in this context, as you have a fantastic system for how to understand what you should be doing, also mm-hmm. when to quit. Right. Can you share those with us? Yeah, um, well, I'm a big fan of, of quitting stuff, but let's, yeah. Yeah, let's come back to that. So uh, I think you're talking about this model that, that we developed a few years ago for the Born for This yep. book and concept. Uh, which is all about joy, money, and flow. And so basically this model is like, you have to have you know, all three of these things in your life to be truly fulfilled. And you know, there's different times where you might just have two or something, but really if you're thinking about what's my thing, you need to be thinking about all three of these things. And so you know, money is pretty self-explanatory. You know, what, you need, what you do needs to be sustainable. Uh, joy is you know, kind of what makes you come alive, what, what does make you happy, what are you passionate about. Uh, and flow is essentially, you know, that that state of, of doing something that you're really good at, yeah. basically. Aptitude. Yeah, aptitude. Yeah, yeah, competence, and even beyond just competence, mastery. You know, yeah. the potential to master something. And so, um, you know, I often think of it in terms of when people are like, "What should I do?" And they always start with like the joy, and that's fine. I like, make a list of the things that you like to do. Sure. But um, I think it's just as important to like make a list of the things that you're good at, make a list of all your skills, because often these things are connected. Yeah. We tend to actually really enjoy the things that we are really good at. Yeah. And often if you focus on skills rather than passion, then um, that's gonna lead you to something more marketable, yeah. right? which will kind of bring in the money a little bit. So joy, money, flow. It's always good to just kind of evaluate like where are you at in your life right now with your job, with your side hustle, with whatever it is. How is that thing contributing, you know, to all three of these areas? And what, where are you strongest, and where are you weakest, essentially? And it could be a season thing too, right? It could be like, you know, right now I really need some money. Like I'm in debt. I got to deal with that. Yeah. So, 
all right in that situation, maybe for a time you're working a job that you don't really believe in or something, but you know that you have to have like your eyes on the prize that ultimately I need to make a change yeah. or else I'm not going to be. Get out of debt, right. get out of this pickle or whatever. Yeah. And then the whole thing about like, you know, quitting stuff. I noticed like a while back um, that people, people always assume that persistence is the, like the key to success. And this is, this is very much like an American culture kind of thing of, uh, you know, winners never quit. And you hear the stories about people who, you know, like he failed, you know, 49 times in a row. And then the 50th time, you know, he succeeded, which is so ridiculous because you're like, well, he could have been doing all kinds of other stuff, you know, <laughs> that whole, during the 10 years that he was trying 49 different things, you know, I mean, like good for him that he figured it out eventually, but what did he miss, you know, yeah. along the way? And I see my observation, you know, is that successful people, it's certainly been true for myself. Uh, successful people have no problem with giving stuff up, have no problem with quitting something, have no problem with saying, like, I tried that and I thought that was a good idea, but I was wrong, right? <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it was a good idea for a time yeah. and now I need to do something different, just like you were talking about. So I think um, the key is not persistence, it's adaptation, right? The key is like being willing to like, yeah. you know, ask on a regular basis, okay, is this the right thing now? And if it's not, there's a lot of value in just giving that up and, and moving on because life is short, right? Yeah. What's your two question test? Two questions. Oh yeah. When you're trying to decide if you're going to like, you know, do I want to quit this thing or not? Yeah. Uh, is it working? And do I still believe in it? Right? It's a very simple litmus test. Yeah. Right? You make a lot simple. of decisions that way. Is it working? Do I still believe in it? Um, and if the answers are yes, then great. You keep doing it. And if the answers are no, then you stop. And so you only have to think about it a little bit more deeply when the answers are in conflict. Yeah. You know, you, I was recently up at five in the morning making some notes about this thing. And, and you all, so you talked, there's this sort of confluence of knowing when to quit. Mm. You talked about emotions at the beginning, like mm -hmm. I want to do something that, that brings me feelings right. and that other people might share those similar feelings. Mm. I'm just more and more over indexing on intuition. Mm. And what role does intuition and sort of that inward listening to your gut, whatever else you want to, you know, color you want to put around that? What does that, what does that play in your world? Yeah, I think it's very important. I think I kind of ignore it at my peril, you know, and I think, but I also think it's true that over time you get better at listening to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because in the beginning, well, I don't know what the beginning is, but you know, when you're trying new things, sometimes your gut can lead you astray. And sometimes your gut's like, don't do this. And you're like, I should listen to my gut. But if you kind of, you know, delve a bit deeper, you're like, why am I, why am I suggesting not to do this? Because I'm afraid. Well, that actually means I, maybe I should do it, right? So I think as you kind of get to know yourself a little bit better, you understand what that, that is. But yeah, for me very much now, like if I'm evaluating, do I do this project or this one? Um, not always, but often it's kind of like, what, what really makes me come alive here? Yeah. You know, what might have the greatest impact? What am I actually gonna be good at? Um, I think one of the problems of, you know, achieving like a certain level or being successful is that lots of opportunities start to come to you. And so you think, well, I should do that or I should do that or like, that sounds good. And that, that worked for Chase. So therefore I should do what Chase did or for, you know, whoever. And of course you realize that you're actually not going to be good at all those things. And just because the opportunity comes, comes to you doesn't mean it's what you should pursue. And so, um, I mean, I try to listen to, to that intuition quite a bit. I'm going to change gears now. That sure. was very, very useful, very helpful. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I have uh, 
I'm trying to ask more questions like this mm. because we're all at home comparing our day-to-day or our the worst parts of ourselves to the highlight reels of everybody else yeah. there on social. Yeah, yeah, right. And so I think when someone looks at you, like, oh my God, he's got mm-hmm. you know six books, New York Times bestseller early on with the $100 startup. Uh, he's got this huge conference. He travels thousands of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of miles. Like it's very easy to look at this life that you've mm-hmm. been able to create for yourself. Chris is successful on every level. So to keep it real and mm-hmm. balance that, like what's what's hard for you? What's hard right now? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say, I mean, the, the very first thing that comes to mind is you know, from time to time, not infrequently, you know, especially over the past like five or six years or so, but really like throughout my adult life and adolescence, uh, I've struggled with depression and anxiety and, you know, lots of things that are correlated around that and just a sense of um, inferiority or a sense of, I like what you said about, you know, like you're, you're playing the highlight reels of everybody else with, you know, your failures. Yeah. I do that a lot, and um, but the question that someone in, yeah. in Ohio is asking right now, but Chris, yeah. you're standing on stage, sure. you walk out, you don't even actually say anything, and the whole thousands of people stand up for you and cheer, and you brought all these people together, and that's great, and that's wonderful. But you know, you can have these these kinds of experiences uh, and still have personal struggle. Yeah, you know, you can still, I mean, people who are who are at much higher levels than I would ever approach can have those kinds of struggles too. So it's not necessarily connected. Sometimes we just have to like go through stuff in, in life. And um, yeah, and I don't know if I have like a great, you know, five-step answer for yeah. that. I think for me, it's just, it starts with just acknowledging that, you know, on a regular basis, I am kind of like questioning my self-worth and I am kind of like beating up on myself and, um, you know, the answer is not always just to like work harder. You know, the answer is not always just to like take on a project. I mean, I started therapy, you know, started doing therapy a few years ago, been extremely helpful to me. I wish I had started earlier. Yeah. If there's anybody out there that's <laughs> like, I wish I had done it earlier. Yeah. Actually. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I learned really early on that I've kind of tried to apply since then is, you know, my, my first therapist said to me, she's like, Chris, you know, you, you've been able to do a lot of different things, you know, X, X, X. Basically, none of that's going to matter here. Like what you're trying to accomplish now, the skills that you have learned are not going to help you. And that was very honest, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like, "Damn, okay." Uh, you know, I know how to send like email marketing, and I you know how to like post stuff online. You know, basically, <laughs> like that. The point is, like, if you're going to do inner work on yourself, then you have to like learn some new stuff, you know. And so, I don't mean to like derail the conversation. But this when is you say, exactly. You know, no, this is what the conversation okay. needs to be about. That's why I'm going here. Okay, good. So yeah. keep going. I interrupted yeah, you. Yeah, no, I think that's. I was just saying, like. Um, so learning about self-awareness, yeah. uh, understanding, you know, different like relationship styles, understanding like, you know, how we form these different styles at a young age and how that affects us later, understanding like, you know, trauma of childhood, which can be a lot of different things, you know, yeah. for a lot of people, um, understanding how we, we carry that with us. And if we never really deal with it, then it's going to always be with us, yeah. you know, basically. And so just... Um, in, in choosing to be more intentional and kind of figuring that out. And by the way, it wasn't like I, I was like, oh, I've done all these things. Next, I'm going to tackle my, my inner work. It doesn't work like that. You <laughs> yeah. know, like these things, um, you know, there's like, what's that quote about? Like the, the teacher appears when the student's ready or something. Like, it's almost <laughs> like a, you start working on this stuff when you're in a hard place in life, basically, yeah. when you have no choice, essentially. And I felt, you know, in particular, 
I go back to a time, um, I don't know, you know exactly how, how long ago it was now, but a couple of years uh, when you know, I thought I had made a lot of progress and I thought I had learned a bunch of stuff and I'm like, I'm doing better now. And like, you know, I've been on medication for, for like depression and like I can get off it. Um, and that actually ended up being like the precipice to like the worst time of all. And um, I didn't see that coming. And but that time, like this you know, depressive period kind of led me to like take even a bigger, broader look and say, OK, you know, what what is it all about? And I'm not going to do a good job with anything else that I'm doing in terms of bringing value to anyone else unless I really actually think about how to care for myself. Um, that was that was surprisingly hard. Yeah, but also brilliantly insightful if you can like catch yourself at a moment where you can be that honest. Eventually at age 40, you know, I mean. Yeah, well to your point, you have to, right? You mm -hmm. find, you put your, you get yourself in a position where you, there's literally no other, no other yes, choice. That's basically but, what happened, yeah. yeah. So what, aside from, you, you talked about therapy, what mm -hmm. are some other things that um, anxiety that you help to, or that you, that you find help you with anxiety. What that's as I ask folks, you know, or I get off stage after giving a talk, and mm -hmm. the fifty percent of the people, in some way, shape, or form, reference what I would call anxiety. Either sure, like they're sure. not doing the right thing, and they're. Uh -huh partner doesn't approve of it or yeah. they're trying to leave their job and their boss mm -hmm. doesn't approve of them or their work which causes them to right. and I'll just like put it on the bucket of, of anxiety mm. and I think there's the this is the sort of the other side of this this free life where we are you know able to pursue the things we love and we have created a living and a life for ourselves mm -hmm. that it's all just a breeze and the reality is that there's I think an increasing amount of anxiety in part because of those same tools that allow us the freedom to do what right. we want to do, they're not always there just to help us. Mm -hmm. So punchline, a lot of anxiety mm -hmm. nowadays, yep. and you mentioned it. What are, besides just therapy, what are some things that you, sure. you do to manage? Um, I think simple observation is always good. I, for a long time, I went through these like states of anxiety without really understanding what was going on. I would just feel this anxiety, you know, and how did it manifest for you? Yeah, how did it manifest? Um, this is something that I struggle with, that kind of question in, in therapy because um, I'm not very like somatic in the sense of like, this is how it felt in my chest and this is how it felt you know, in my stomach, yeah. which a lot of people can do. Yeah. Um, for me, it was just like this like wave of uncertainty or like chaos or confusion that kind of came with me or sadness, but it was yeah. like kind of cycling and stuff. So I think just like, um, observing and like being able to kind of like step out and stuff and say okay I'm feeling this way but I have some experience with it now and you know if it's if it's specific to something then I kind of understand okay here's the situation if it's generalized then I know it's going to pass you know I know it's going to pass and so I can make my peace with it a little bit um, it's just some really simple stuff like exercising more and um, being really careful about what I eat. Isn't that weird how yeah. those things are that simple? It I really think is simple. There's the, very con there's the stuff that is very nuanced and personal and has to do with very specific things. Mm -hmm. And then on the other end of the same spectrum is like, how are you sleeping? Yeah. <laughs> what right. are you putting in your body? Right, right, right. How many, how many, how many drinks a week are you exactly. having? Exactly, yeah. Which, I mean, all those things make more of a difference as you get older too, you yeah. know? But even at any age, you know, if you're struggling, that's always a good start. But I would say the number one thing is to, to not try to hide it. You know, yeah. I don't feel like I was hiding it per se, but I don't know that I was being super open about it. Yeah. So I think that's helped. 
just uh, a lot of people around you probably care about you and want to help you, you know, but they don't know what to do or they don't know what's going on unless you show them. Yeah. And so I think understanding that was also good for me. Did you create some tools for yourself in order to do that? How, how have you decided to like, ah, oh, this is something I need to share? Well, you know, it's interesting because um, I just started being, I, mean, I was going to say more honest, but I don't want to say that I was being dishonest before. Yeah. I just started being more like open and upfront yeah. Yeah. about certain things. I don't know if that was always a good, always a good thing because um, like, here's a story, you know, so. Um, <laughs> I love it when you, when you smirk okay. and it's like three sentences ahead, you're like, ah, oh, I just remember this. I hadn't even thought about this for a long time. Like, um, so, I mean, um, you know, in the, in the summer of uh, 2015, my brother died. And I know you know about that. And that's something that's, that's, you know, obviously, I mean, understatement affected my life a great deal. Um, and that always will affect my life a great deal. But what I was going to say about the story is it was like a few months later that, you know, I was doing some kind of like businessy interview somewhere. And I think it was like in San Francisco. It's like some internet marketing kind of thing or whatever. And, you know, they asked, they're like, like, what's your greatest struggle right now? You know, and I was just like, do you want an honest answer? You know, and she said yes, but she didn't really want an honest answer, but that's what she said, you know, and I was just like, well, this is what's going on in my life, you know, to be very honest with you, you know, here's what happened with my brother, and I still don't know, you know, how to process it, and I don't know if I ever will, and, you know, for anybody out there who's struggling, let's talk about it a little bit. You know, and the whole time I'm just like, this is not the answer she wanted at all. I mean, her eyeballs are big yeah, saucers, probably. But I kind of went away thinking. I was like, it's, it's, I went away from that interview thinking, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't give them what they wanted, but I was honest. I was really honest. So she's like, what's your great, like, what's yeah. really hard for you right now? I'm like, well, let me tell you. Here's what's hard for me. It's got nothing to do with running my online business. It really doesn't. It's got nothing to do with my blog. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with all that stuff. Oh, my growth is you slowing, know, or my email know. open rate isn't. Yeah. No, and if you want to talk about that stuff, that's fine. Yeah. But let's just, you know, let's just say, what's your greatest struggle when it comes to email marketing? Yeah. As opposed to like, ask a better question. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. So. So I, I guess what I'm saying is like to, go, to come full circle is like I just started being whenever people would ask, you know, if they were really asking me how I was doing, I would say, really, here's what's going on, you know, which people don't aren't always you know used to or comfortable with. Uh, it's <laughs> I, I think you've always done a fantastic job of bringing that sort of uh, awareness and openness to your in your community. Mm -hmm. You've bubbled that up really well. That's one thing that you know, having attended hundreds of conferences. Mm -hmm. Maybe attended thousands, spoken at hundreds. Mm. Like there's what you've done with the World Domination Summit. It just feels very, very special. It's sort of like you're aiming to celebrate those things. Mm -hmm. um, so, a thank you for that. Oh, B, you. that it seems like out of um, I think that just positions people for really good work. There's that internal honesty that affects the gut. The gut affects like you. Then you work on the right things. You pursue what you love. Mm -hmm. Realize the time is short. There's this sort of often personal authenticity that I always mm. walk away from any time we get to hang out, even beyond when we're recording <laughs> a podcast. Um, I'd like to shift gears again now. Thank sure. you for for sharing that. Of course. So sixth book. Mm -hmm. When I saw that you'd launched Side Hustle School and that you were doing a podcast every day, like every single day, mm -hmm. I was like. Who does that? Like you would do something like that. <laughs> you would. I do it for like very small bursts. Like what was it? We did thirty days of genius. Thirty days in a row. I was like, all right. I mean, these were like hour-long interviews. You know, you were aware of that. That's but thirty days is not 
How many how many episodes uh, into Side Hustle? The time story? we're making this episode, this conversation, I think I'm on day 873. 873, yeah. <laughs> I haven't missed a day. You know, you know, seven days a week. Um, the streak is really powerful. The thing is, the streak keeps you going. Yeah. It would be harder to stop now than it would it is to keep going, right? Yep. So, for me, it's actually beneficial to do it every single day. It would be harder to do it like two to three days a week for me, because I would just forget about it. You know what I mean? If it's every day. Sense. I can't forget about it. If it was just like one of many projects, do you that would literally not be good. record them daily, or do you sit down and batch five or six? Or I actually record almost every day. So I will batch occasionally, but batching for me is more like two to three episodes as opposed to like I'm doing 10 at once or something. Like I pretty much every single day I'm, I'm recording. I have a setup that comes with me when I travel. And so I've actually- Is it in of, your backpack over there? Um, it is not in my backpack, but it's in back my carry-on bag. Okay, yeah. back at the hotel. It's, it's small, okay. yeah. Um, I actually like the routine and like the ritual of like, okay, I gotta do this, you know. What made you decide to do something like that every day? Okay, well, I mean, let's talk about why I did the program in the first place. You know, it's, it's called Side Hustle School. Right. And um, it's, it's all about regular people, not necessarily people like you and me who are like, want to be entrepreneurs and like unemployable and all that, but regular people <laughs> who have jobs, right? Yeah. Um, people who have jobs and don't necessarily want to jump into like the startup culture thing, but they understand that it, it's good to have more than one source of income. And so, and like, how do they do that? Because so many resources these days are targeted toward entrepreneurs or people who are aspirational entrepreneurs. It's very much about like quit your job and go, you know. All in. Right, all in. Right, and so like there's a huge group of people who for whatever reason can't just go all in or quit their job or they actually like their job. They actually enjoy what they do. You know, they like working with their colleagues or on the projects or whatever. Like I think about my mom, like she worked for for NASA, you know, for, I don't know, 20, 30 years and like, you can't be like a freelancer working for NASA, you know, like on Upwork or whatever. Like you got to commit. You know, Please d- design shuttle fin. <laughs> right, right. You know, $150 bin, you know, bid or something. But so um, for anybody in that situation, how are they supposed to learn about, you know, starting a little business, which I believe you can do without spending a lot of money, without going into debt, without following this traditional path of, of uh, you know, startup culture. So anyway, that's the whole point of the of the show is to like show different stories, a different story, a different example every single day of somebody doing that. I'm not even teaching that much. I'm just storytelling. It's 80% storytelling, maybe 20%. Like but that's part of what I love about it. Well, I think nobody was doing that either yeah. that way, you know. Yeah. And so that's part of it. And then why seven days a week? I, I just I like to commit. I like to like I like. I was like, what would make it badass? Okay, every single day. And I remember talking with like the. CEO of the podcast network that we work with. And we had like three conference calls with him. And on the third call, he still didn't understand. He was still like, every single day, that's like five days a week. That's a lot. It's like five, day, five days a week. Yeah, so how, many day, how many days are there in the week? You know, <laughs> seven, seven days, you know. Um, so that's why every day. Can you tell me a little bit more about the back end, like who you're working with and what, um, yeah, like how you, sure. are you working with a, hmm? a, a CDN or an MCN, or sorry, CDN, MCN or how, did you find someone to partner with for people at home? Like, I want to get started. I guess my first advice is just start recording things before you start sharing them. Make five episodes that only yep. you are listening to. Yep, yep. Um, but what, you, what how, how have you thought about it? Because that's, you know, what, what's the publishing platform and what, yep. how, how do you think about it? Go a yeah, little no, bit of detail. No, sure. So, I, yeah, I started with, so I wasn't actually sure what I was going to do 
in the beginning in terms of like, am I going to be on a network? Am I just going to do it all myself? Uh, I didn't even have like an ad model. I was just like, I'm just going to make it, you know. But um, it, it just so happened that uh, a good friend of mine, Gretchen Rubin, yeah. uh, came to me. I think you know Gretchen, right? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, you did a thing with She's her. She's awesome. Um, came to me and said, like, I'm starting a net, uh, like a little imprint. You know, have you ever thought about doing a podcast? I'm like, Gretchen, it's funny you mentioned that because I'm like actually outlining this project right now. But it's really specific. I don't know if, it, if it's going to work, you know, with your vision. And uh, But anyway, so I ended up uh, kind of looping in with her. Uh, and then we were part of a network called Panoply uh, for the first two years. And then this year we switched to a, a different one. So I have a producer, uh, thankfully, because I, I don't do any audio editing. I'm not good at that stuff. You just send raw files off? Yep. yep. But so there's actually not I- a ton of editing that's really required in my show because it's just me. I'm not doing interviews. Yeah. You so know? you're just talking? Or do you write a script and then read the script? Like, yeah, I have a script. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. And now we have now we have a team of writers actually that's working on the stories. Wow. Um, so I can't take all the credit for that either. Um, but I obviously doing the analysis and like the final edits and all of that. So I have a really wonderful assistant who now has kind of migrated to the role of content manager uh, named Whitney, and she's actually been with me for all 872 or 73 episodes. Wow. Kind of working with the people who are featured and then like fact checking and like doing all the different stuff. So it's I'm, I'm definitely really grateful to have. Uh, have those folks around. Wow, amazing. Yeah. And clearly fuel for your new project here. Yeah, well, exactly. Because yes. it is a beast. Look at this thing. Uh-huh. I don't, like, this is, well, first of all, I'm going to, four color. Yeah, 330 pages. 330 pages, hardback, mm-hmm. like, A, gorgeous, nice spot varnish, so the designers in the world are going to be happy with this. <laughs> Feel is really cool, mm-hmm. but obviously the meat is 300 stories mm-hmm. or 300 pages, mm-hmm. 100 separate stories of people's side hustle. Is, yeah. a, is the book 100% mirror of the podcast? It's not 100% mirror. Um, all the stories come from the podcast, but a lot of them have updates. Or God, if there's 800 of them, you've, you, you chose the top 15%. Yeah, we chose like a lot of the most popular ones from the first year in particular. So um, I wanted to like show, you know, the stories in addition to telling them. And um, so it's like this visual depiction of all these, of all these different people that are doing different, you know, kind of creative, unusual things to make money. I try to be really specific about it because um, I feel like there's a lack of specificity in this world often. And so I try to be really specific, like here's how much it cost. It cost them $150 to start their business. You know, at the end of year one, they were making $24,000, you know, whatever it is. I want to be really just uh, clear about the practical details. And so the idea is like people can just kind of flip through it and I mean, you can read it cover to cover or you can just kind of flip through it and see what resonates with you. Um, you're not gonna connect with all 100 stories, but I really be surprised if somebody like reads this and doesn't find a couple of things that they're like, oh, I wanna go and do something like that. You know, and that's my whole motivation with it. That's the motivation is to yeah. provide a, 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 a menu of yeah. ideas that, yeah, I a guess. Jump, jumping off point, you know, some inspiration. A lot of the stories um, that we feature on the show now are coming from listeners who were listening in the first season and the second season and start have started their projects, which is really cool. So um, like, I want to be on the show. Here's my idea. <laughs> I don't think that was their motivation. I think they're like trying to actually make money for themselves, you know. But secondary benefit being in yeah. the show. So you know, I'm hopeful that um, people who read the book, you know, same kind of thing. But it's, it is a it's beautiful. It's giant, gr- huge, great photography in there. Well, again, a, a team effort for that because I'm, I'm not, I'm not like traveling the country taking photos. That's not my skill. Uh, wonderful interior designer Emma Campion who worked on that, all that stuff. A lot of photographers, a lot of people. Huge, yeah. huge. Um, 
most surprising side hustle? Most surprising. Or I hate I hate superlative questions, so I'll yeah, okay. I'll restate that. <laughs> couple just surprise that no, surprised that's you. That's good. Um, a couple that people tend to like enjoy. Um, there's this guy who's like drop shipping live crickets to reptile owners. Um, so there's a market of people who are buying live crickets. They need to feed, feed their reptile, and so he gets into this business, but doesn't actually like stock the inventory. So he works with cricket farms takes orders in, like passes the order and does that, you know, and he's making like a thousand dollars a month or something doing this. And um, the, the funny part about this story, if that's not funny enough, is like <laughs> one time in the beginning, he's like, I should, I should actually order once to see like what the product is like just for quality control. And so he orders you know, a batch of crickets from the farm and the crickets arrive. Um, and there's supposed to be some instructions, you know, that are included, but like he opens the box and they're not there. And then he learns that the crickets will eat anything that has paper in it. So from that lesson, he's like, oh, I can't include any instructions. I need to email. The, the instructions need to be digital, basically. So I got the guy doing that. And then um, another, there's a woman in New York uh, who has this business called uh, Troll Cakes, Troll Cakes Bakery and Detective Agency. And so every single day she is baking a cake. This is a good story for anybody out there who's ever had like a negative comment on Facebook or a hurtful comment directed to you. She's baking these cakes and she frosts them with the negative comments written on it. So it's like, you're going to hell, like what's up with your hairstyle? You know, how about that contract you made with Satan? And then she mails it to the person who left that comment. And she calls a detective agency because for an additional fee, if you don't know who left the comment, she'll find their address, basically. No. And she's doing this every single day. We've got a whole like gallery of photos in it. And so that's like, you know, never would imagine people would get paid to do this. <laughs> and this isn't her retirement plan, you know, but it's like, it, crazy thing that she's doing and she's making some money with it and like she's going to have the story for the rest of her life. Can you give me one more level of detail? One more level of detail? On her, like, I don't think I want to reveal the source of how because it sounds like it could get some into some gangster shit. Yeah. <laughs> what do you, what, what, what is the cost to send a oh, troll? Oh, it's pretty cheap actually. I think it was it's like 50 bucks or something, you know? To have Something a like that. human bake a cake and frost it with a comment and then mail it to Yeah, them. you'll get a picture, obviously, so you can post it if you want or not or whatever, yeah. Wow. You know, and some people are doing it as a joke, of course, but I think mm. it's also kind of like, can you imagine if you're the person who's like leaving these jackass comments on people's Facebook or whatever? And like, I think she started it when like she read something on Dolly Parton's blog and somebody was like criticizing Dolly. He's like, why, why are you doing that? Like, what's, what, you know, people like Britney Spears, you need Jesus, you, need, you know, all this kind of stuff. So can you just imagine getting that in the mail and like, it might actually cause somebody to think. Who knows? Wow. All right. I'm looking for trends now. So those were interesting. Yeah. Give me some trends. Most like uh, repeatable, possible, most common, solid middle down the road. Yes. Side hustle where people can like, hey, yeah. most people can be successful at this Yeah, thing. I'm glad you asked actually because I like telling the kind of crazy stories, but yeah. like I'm not trying to tell people they should go out and do this stuff. Yeah, you know, it's just highlight. Cricket farming is a little esoteric. Right. So we talked a little bit about rese reselling. Mm -hmm. So anybody can buy and resell. Like anybody can buy something and then resell it. There's lots of different models to do that. I think that's actually the number one suggestion I would make. If somebody's like, how do I get started with a side hustle now? Like you can do this right now. There's all kinds of stuff you can do. Lots of platforms for that. Um, also a lot of service businesses of like, there's something that you're good at and there's, got, there's somebody out there who needs help with it. There's a guy in the book who, um, he's lived a lot of different places around the world. Now he's got a family 
And so he's often meeting other families who are like, I want to like bring up my kids in different countries, but I don't know, like I got questions about education and taxes and like vaccinations and all kinds of stuff. So he's doing like consultations, you know, for that. Um, there's a woman uh, in, I think it's upstate New York, who she's got a few different sisters. She's got three different sisters. She was part of a couple of different wedding plannings and uh, noticed that like the, all these like wedding accessories are super expensive, like the veil and the tiara and then whatever else. And she's like, why isn't there a, um, like a rental market, you know, for these things? Like nobody's doing that. And yeah, what do you do? You can so, hold it, you know, keep your thing. Yeah, do you need all these keepsakes for the rest yeah. of your life? You got the dress, that's enough of a racket, right? But mm -hmm. here's like all this other stuff. So she starts a business called Happily Ever Borrowed. And she's like renting this out to people like all over the country. And she's really got, like, she did like $80,000 last year you know, as a side hustle. So also I should point that out. Like a lot of the stories, they're not people that are just making a few hundred dollars a month. Yeah. Like a lot of them are actually are six figure incomes. Wow. Uh, or even more in some cases. Yeah. So like I'm trying to help people like truly get ahead and truly like create an asset for themselves, which you're not going to get by driving for Uber or Lyft. Yeah. You're not going to get by participating in the gig economy. You know, to really create something for yourself, you have to actually make something for yourself. And it's not as hard as people think it is. Do you have baked in that last little phrase like it's not driving for lift it's not like mm -hmm. it sounds like you're into create value creation for yourself on some sort of beyond just transaction time money yeah but what are your biases on steering people towards or away from you know and i think this mm -hmm. is like honestly this is the perfect you're such an amazing guest <laughs> like anyone home is like taking notes like uh -huh. crazy right now but just you really you know, the Creative Live audience is, you know yeah. how to speak their language. What, sure, sure. give a little bit of uh, counsel. So a couple of questions you can ask yourself, you know, about any different idea or opportunity. You know, does someone else control, you know, like all the rules, uh, the entire environment, you know, for this opportunity, which is how it is for the gig economy with all these different platforms. You know, if they do, that's, that's not a bad, like, part-time job, but that's all it is. So just understand that's what it is. You know, give me an example. Well, again, like driving for Uber or Lyft. Okay. You know, that's not bad to make extra money and you can set your own schedule, but then like they're setting your competition and they're capping your compensation. You're not going to have the chance to earn money while you're doing something else. Like you are trading time for money doing that. So, I mean, ultimately, so like, let's say the next question is, does this have the potential to earn money for you? you know, while you're doing something else. And this is, I think, the greatest thing in the world is to like wake up in the morning and like check your email and somebody has sent you a PayPal payment overnight or a Venmo or however it works. I mean, that I think is, that's the goal, right? Yeah. So if it, whatever your opportunity is or your idea, does it have the potential to do that? That's great. So are you in control? Does it have the potential to earn some sort of passive income, even if you have to like then do something for it? Um, you know, again, is it something you're excited about? Is it something that's really bringing value to other people? You know, it has to be not just interesting to you, but interesting to other folks. Um, has anybody done it before? And if so, that's not bad, by the way. You know, if somebody has done your idea before, it doesn't mean you can't do it. Um, it's actually probably a good sign because it shows there's a market for it. I'm trying to think what else. Those are, that's a good start. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. deep. Plenty, there's plenty. I mean, like, you, it's a lifetime of stuff there. You, you, said, something, <laughs> you said something earlier. Just see if you tried 10 of those things. You like... Um, you, you talked about this, this, you know, we talked about the intersection of what you love, yeah. what you're good at. I think all those probably are still in play. Yeah. But this idea of scalable, making money while you sleep, not trading, not, not transactional. Mm -hmm. There's another, I'm going to bring something you said early, early on into the picture, which I think is just 
genius, and I want you to tell me about it. It doesn't have to be big. Absolutely. It doesn't have to scale. It probably won't be big at first. That's good. Talk about this. Not only does it not have to be big. They were like, wait a minute, I want to be able to make a million dollars, Chris. Well, great, maybe you will, but if you're not making any money at all now, start start with making $100, start with making $1,000 because one, it can lead to something else, but also just just on its own, that $1,000 is gonna feel really good. If you have never made money for yourself before, the first time you make a few hundred dollars, the first time you make like 50 bucks, it's gonna feel good. I know that, like I've I've heard these stories over and over. I'm on book tour and I ask people like, raise your hand if you've ever been paid for something apart from your paycheck. And you probably like half the audience raises their hand and like, and then I ask like, do you remember when that happens? Everybody still remembers, like so many people, it's like this memorable thing. So it doesn't have to be big, in fact, it probably won't be. And also uh, just remember that you're not making like a lifetime commitment, which is another reason why people don't start projects is they're like, I don't know what to do because it might not be the right, you know, blah, 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 you know. It doesn't matter. Like, you're, you're, this is not a, like a life partnership kind of situation here <laughs> that you're trying to decide. You're trying to decide what is the project that I start right now. You know, that live cricket, you know, drop shipping guy, he's not going to be doing that forever, but that's okay. You know, all, the, all these projects, you know, maybe they'll go on to be like huge businesses. You know, in lots of cases, they're great, you know, learning experiences. They're bringing them a lot of money. They're bringing them security and options to go on to do something different. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be big, and it doesn't have to be like a life commitment. In fact, it sort of shouldn't be big, it's yeah. almost. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think of everything that, any sort of side project that ever turned it, I mean, Creative Live was a side project. Yeah, right. You know, or right, right. I think of getting them back, the, even taking pictures with my iPhone, I thought that was cool, mm-hmm. and then we did an app. And I think it's interesting, it's almost the things that were started without the pressure of yeah. the desire to make them big, right. had the most potential. Mm-hmm. Is that a commonality? or? Is yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm trying to think like most people that, because most people in my world are not from that startup culture, you know, so most people that I tend to encounter, you know, across middle America or wherever, are, they're just, they're out there trying to do something for themselves, you know, and for their family. And so, yeah, for them, the motivation is how can I have options? You know, how can I have choices so that if I don't want to go to my job anymore, I don't have to. Um, or if something changes at my job, you know, like I'm enjoying it now, but what if that situation changes? Yeah. Then I've got some security to do something else. Uh, so it's not so much about like, I'm gonna build a huge company as it is, I'm gonna do something for them, for myself. Yeah. And so I've always, like all of my work is for individuals, not companies. I think that's a key distinction. There's lots of people doing lots of wonderful work, you know, for, you know, so-called like more experienced or skilled entrepreneurs who have built like large organizations um, and that's not me because I've never done that myself. But I've spent, you know, more than 20 years, you know, making a living without a job, essentially. So, so that's what I do. What were some of the most surprising things from the research to to, mm. to, to put together the book? Yeah. Um, was it was there some weird commonality? Hmm. Was it geographic? Was it particular attitudes? Was it fear of some fear? Like what were, what's, yeah, what's, yeah, that's good, that's good. I'm just thinking, I can give you a real answer. I mean, I would say, sort of like your last point about fear, you know, very, very common to hear, like, you know, I, I wanted to start this for a long time, but I never did because I thought I wasn't good enough or I thought I was missing something. I was missing X, whether X is like money or access to something or just permission, essentially, like endorsement, you know, like, hey, go do that, Chase, you know? A lot of people say that and they're always like, I wish I'd started sooner. Um, I think another commonality is like this, this blend of, um, of curiosity, like the willingness to say, what if, 
you mm. know, like, what if I could actually make money doing this thing, you know? This service sounds kind of crazy, like, but what if it worked, you know? So that's the curiosity factor. Um, but then you can be curious and never actually do anything. So the combination of um, curiosity and willingness to take action, like the willingness to actually do something yeah. with it. You know, so you got lots of people that are like charging ahead, but they don't really have like ideas. And you got the people that have all the ideas but aren't doing something. And so I think the commonality is like, you're, you're you know, practicing your skill of observation, which you never really like learned in school, but it's not that hard to learn. Yeah. Like it's just pay attention, you know, pay attention. And then you're, you're willing to, to kind of follow up on what you, what you notice. And I think that's, that's what leads people to start these kinds of projects. And the ones who succeed do that. You know, the ones that are just kind of on the outside don't take action. Amazing. And this is, did you have a favorite? No, I no. don't. No, it's kind of like every, you know, yeah. favorite country, you know, yeah. go to, um, I don't know. Well, let's, I mean, there's this story I've been telling about this guy who makes uh, teddy bears. Uh, teddy bears like dressed up in uh, like Marine uniforms or Army uniforms. And he calls them like Sergeant Sleep Tight. And it's to help kids sleep better at night. Uh, especially for military families and uh, families with like, you know, one of the parents uh, is deployed overseas and the kid's having a hard time sleeping. And so he makes these like teddy bears and like the, the bear's gonna watch over you at night, you know, like, so that's just really cute. He's got all these good stories from it. And um, I like it as well because like this guy was like a copywriter. He didn't, um, he didn't have like a master's degree in making teddy bears, you know, <laughs> he's just like, how do I do that? How do I learn to source? How do I like to learn to source my product from an overseas manufacturer or, you know, from the U.S.? And then how do I like d distribute it? And like, all that stuff is like you can figure it out. You can, there's, there's there's a path to figuring it out. What's what's the best resource? Clearly, mm. you, you're starting to see patterns mm. in like oh everyone needs like a Shopify account or like mm. what like what are some resources that you see time and time and again that if people are asking questions they're wondering like God I like to do that mm. there's probably 10 buckets of things but what are some popular buckets yeah. and what would you recommend yeah I think it kind of depends on what what project you want to, to have right so if you're like e-commerce okay I've got a product I've got this thing I'm gonna sell uh, got a guy in there who did like anti-mosquito wristband wristbands and like ends up making a lot of money with that. So for there, like a Shopify site or something else like that, some kind of e-commerce platform. You know, uh, we've got some, some projects that are really content driven, like blog driven. Okay, so you need a blog, you need a website. You know, lots of different ways to do that for, you do know. Do you have some recommendations? $10 like, a month. You mentioned Spotify or Shopify. Do you have a particular I mean, I've always worked with WordPress, you know, for, you know, most of my internet life. And, um, you know, WordPress.com has like a, like a moderate charge to it, but WordPress itself is free, you know, open source. Um, it doesn't cost you more than five or $10 a month to have a hosted, you know, account somewhere. So um, you probably need an email list, you know, of some kind. Yeah. I mean, like stuff like this, I'm not gonna say it's not, it's not important, but I just think it's, it's very easy it's to so, figure that yeah, out. It's like, so that's like people get hung up on that stuff and I don't think that's where they should get hung up. Does it really Same matter? Same Does it more. matter which email list programming? Not really. They're all the, like there's a whole bunch of them. Does it matter? Nobody cares about that from the outside. I have to remind myself of that as well about like book publishing because I'm really into like I'm like a geek about book book publishing. Like I know like all the nuances and stuff. And like my my literary agent has to remind me from time to time. He's like, readers don't care about that. Readers do not care who the publisher is. You know, readers don't care about the nitty gritty and like the behind the scenes. I'm like, oh, that's good to remember. 
So same for all your online business stuff. They don't yeah. care about that. Your customer doesn't care whether it's Shopify or something else. You know, they care about, do you have a product that they want? Is it clear how they can give you their money to receive that product? If yes, then they're good. If not, they're confused. Right. And then you, have, you can help them. Right. Um, so you are famous for doing mega book tours. Yeah. Mega book tours. <laughs> like every 50 states. How long that was, was great. That yeah, was great. That was fun. All 50 states and every province in Canada. I did that on my first one. So that was 63 cities. It was great. Epic. Now, what I is wish, it? I wish I should do it again. I should do it again. I feel like I'm a slacker. I'm just doing 14 cities for this tour. Um, because, Which is seven more than 99% of authors. Yeah, most authors don't do it at all. Um, yeah. But I think they should. I think I, I, I learned so much through this process and talking with, uh, with my readers. And it's not so much like a strict economic thing. Yeah. You know, it's like I'm, you know, in Denver last night, 100 people, we sold 40, 50 books or something. But like, think about what it costs to travel there and like the time investment. It's not about the economics, it's about the conversation and the interaction. And like yeah. that first tour, when I went to North Dakota and there were 10 people, some of them, some of those are still with me now. Like it made an impact on those people. Some of them are still following me. Um, so yeah, I'm doing 14 cities because I have the World Domination Summit coming up. And so it's kind of bookended because of that. So I'm hoping I can go back out in, in later in the summer or the fall. Uh, and do some more. World Domination Summit, there's only a couple left, this year and next. Yes. Any tickets left? Um, we got maybe <laughs> 10 tickets for this one, which is coming up very soon, if you, you might be watching this later. Um, <laughs> and next year might very well be sold out because a lot of our alumni want to come back, but yeah. you can check it out, worlddominationsummit.com. Where else if, if people are wanting to, is it like to book sites or to you personally, Art of Nonconformity? ChrisGillibo.com. Yeah, it's all a mess, but you know, ChrisGillibo.com, which nobody can ever spell. Um, but side hustle school. Yeah, you can. Oh, that's yeah, good. That's I, not, I can spell your name too. That's cool. Um, that's a sign of true friendship right there. You know, <laughs> spell your buddy's name. Uh, especially mine. That's, yeah, that's true friendship. Uh, or side hustle school.com. The, the podcast is at side hustle school.com or Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever people listen. Wherever you listen. And next big project that you haven't talked about publicly? Ah. Uh, I'm not. Um, I'm not. I'm, a, I'm not, not unwilling to to say. I just don't. I just. Uh, I'm kind of in the midst of this right now. So, I don't know. I want to do. I will say. I want to do a different kind of writing project. I'll say that. A different mm -hmm. kind of writing project. Yeah. All right. Well, congrats on the book. It's a beast. It's beautiful. They're like it is very well documented. I was shocked at the level of research. Shocked. Like interviews with a hundred people. Photographs all the details, income per year, websites, URLs, fun facts, like it is a research beast. Team effort, like I said. Congratulations, bud. Thank you Thank so you. much for Thank being you, on sir. the show. Thank you, Chase. And good luck tonight in your book talk. Awesome, cheers. What's your next, next couple of locations? Probably Where am I going next? Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't know when, when people yeah, are watching this. Yeah, I don't know how soon this is going to come out. <laughs> right. My gosh. But just so the people knew that they missed you. <laughs> right, great. Uh, next week I'm on the East Coast, so mm -hmm. New York, Boston, uh, I think back to SF, and then Canada the following week. Got it. Awesome. Canada. You're next week, Canada. Thank you very much for being on the show. Super happy you're here. Congrats Cheers, on the book. Man. Thank you. And thanks for being a guest again. This is the second or third, maybe. Second. Right? Second? Dang. Check out Chris. All on the internet. He's also got a couple of amazing Creative Live classes. Mm -hmm. uh, Travel. That's right. Travel Make hacking. your dream trip a reality. Yep. Yeah. It's actually really fun to make that course. That was, it's still, got, pe still got people watching it actually. Yeah, so cool. still getting those checks. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
Wait a minute, people are, that was three years ago? It's gotta fund my trip to Denver to talk to people about the book. It was like, you're the master mile. How many miles do you have right now? Um, now I've got like a couple million or something, but Just miles are always being devalued, you know, so you gotta like use them, right? <laughs> Sorry, this is the slowest ending to a podcast ever because <laughs> I just keep thinking of things I want to ask you about. Thanks for being on the show, bud. Awesome. Appreciate it. Cheers. Bye, everybody. See you again, hopefully, or hear you again, or you know what I mean, audio you tomorrow. Uh, signing off. Till then. All right, that about wraps it up. But uh, hey, before you bounce, two quick things. Um, actually, I'm going to go three quick things. Thing one, A, thank you so much for being a part of this community. And I'm not quite sure how you, you landed on this podcast. It doesn't matter to me. The fact that we're all in this together and that we're able to have a conversation is awesome. I feel uh, honored to be in your ears right now and that uh, you've paid attention to what I've been doing, what Creative Live has been doing for some time. And whether it's been a day or 10 years, I just want to say thank you. It's also really important to know on the backside of that that I, I do a lot of responding to comments. So hit me up, on, you know, direct message me on, on Instagram or Twitter or at me. I try and respond as much as possible. So let's have a conversation that transcends me just being in your ears here. Let's try and do it some, somewhere out there in, on the internet land. That's thing one. Thing two, again, I'm not quite sure what channels you pay attention to me and my work, but please go check out. I'm at Chase Jarvis or slash Chase Jarvis or whatever on all the platforms. And it's really important to me. Also, if you wouldn't mind checking out Creative Live, it's something that not only myself, but 120 other committed hardcore badass people come to work every day uh, to build the place where creators and entrepreneurs learn so check that out they're just slash creative live or at creative live all over out there on the internet all right until again uh, probably tomorrow i hope i'll hear you i'll be in your ears maybe tomorrow and i'll look for your comments on the internets bye